Hello everyone and welcome to the 14th episode of Encrypted. Encrypted is a weekly dedicated podcast to guide you through the blockchain and crypto universe. My name is Ahmed and I'm coming to you live from Area 2071 in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Paul Masara from Electron. Say hello. Hi, morning. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Could you quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Paul Massara and I'm CEO of Electron, which is a blockchain company doing some exciting things in energy. Oh, energy markets, that's interesting. So today we're actually taking a, a bit of a different approach in this week's episode of Encrypted. Usually we would cover the news stories of the week, but today I thought it would be really interesting to actually go in depth and explore one particular application area of blockchain technology and um, Paul he's been in Dubai um, for the past couple of days and I managed to meet him and I found out you know about his project and what he's working on I thought it's you know a really interesting use case and I thought it would be really cool to actually um, get him on the podcast and actually share um, this use case and the project that he's working on with our listeners. So Paul could you quickly give a background about yourself and as well a background into the energy markets and sort of the challenges that um, the market is currently facing. So I've been in the energy industry 23 years. Uh, I was at Centrica, which owns British Gas in the UK, uh, and I set up and run their trading division and the optimization of all their gas and electricity plants. Um, I then moved to Canada and set up their Canadian division and grew that to 2.7 billion uh, within uh, three and a half years. Uh, I later came back to the UK and became CEO of NPower and went on the RWE Energy Executive Committee in Germany. And I was responsible for B2C, uh, which was 23 million consumers across Europe, uh, digitalization. And then uh, I was part of the board that set up the innovation hubs in Israel, Berlin, uh, San Francisco and London. Um, so yeah, a lot of exciting things and really been at the forefront of some of the big changes that we're seeing in the energy market today. Um, and those changes really relate to the way that the system is working. Uh, and the fact is that, that most electricity systems now are moving towards renewables as renewables both become needed in order to bring down carbon, but also cheaper. And therefore what we're seeing across Europe uh, especially is the fact that more and more money is going into renewables. The issue with renewables is that essentially it's intermittent in the sense that you produce energy when the sun is shining or the wind is blowing. But when that isn't happening, essentially, you've got to rely on more uh, solid and stable energy for sources. And so the problem is that creates very large fluctuations in the grid. And the grid was not set up that way. The grid was set up to flow energy, essentially being centrally controlled by the system operator that would control and flow energy from large power stations down the grid to end users. And now what we have is essentially uh, intermittent renewables coming in at the lower level, the distribution level. But we're also seeing uh, new technology come in at the grid edge. And by that, I mean electric vehicles, storage, solar and batteries. And, and the system's not set up that way. And so now we have bi-directional flow uh, and we have all of these constraints or problems occurring in the grid. Um, and this is a problem that's going to hit every single developed grid across the world. It just happens that in the UK, because of the, the push towards renewables and the push towards EVs, we're seeing some of these problems sooner than other countries.
And so with these current sort of challenges that, that you're, you're seeing right now, what, what solutions have you been um, sort of, you know, using or actually brainstorming to actually solve them? Is it, is it blockchain? Is it sort of, you know, a variety of solutions? Um, how are you? How are you guys um, actually solving this? Yeah. So, so, so we start by saying, what's the problem? We are a blockchain company, but we're an energy company first, in a way. Okay. Uh, in a sense, we believe in solving problems that are there. We're mm -hmm. not a blockchain company looking for an issue. Um, and so, really, the question that we came to was to say, how do you integrate all of these hundreds of thousands of new devices that are coming, electric vehicles, battery, solar, storage, into the system? in a way that works. Um, and, and at the moment, the system operator doesn't know where they are and it doesn't know who controls them or who operates them. And the adoption rates of these new technologies are, are think about the adoption rates of a telephone. Uh, people aren't asking the grid operator for permission to essentially go out and buy one of these. They're buying one because they want a Tesla or they want a, they want a Nissan Leaf. Um, and so essentially, this is just coming into the grid. So what we thought was, well, actually, what is the right technology that can deal with distributed assets that has one verification and one set of truth for what an asset is and where it is, that essentially you can put attributes onto that asset and understand it, and also that you can connect it with a smart contract. And for those reasons, we think blockchain is important and we think blockchain can help. Um, and so we turn to blockchain because we think that it has certain attributes which serve this user case well. Now, what we're also seeing is many other different user cases developing in the energy market. So, in fact, 65% of the user cases that people have tried blockchain on have been peer-to-peer. -peer. And so peer-to-peer -peer is when somebody has, a, say, a solar panel, they're producing energy, but they're not consuming it all at that time, so they can sell it on to their neighbor, essentially. So it creates a market between players. The other user case we've seen is microgrids. So the ability essentially, maybe in a factory setup or maybe in an industrial unit area where you can trade off power between one another behind the meter essentially. Um, and then you've seen trading modules. Now these are modules where you already have an established trading market. So maybe it's like the oil market and people have said, well actually what happens if we put that on blockchain? Now, each one of those cases has benefits and pros and cons about it. Um, we actually think that, that the trading one is interesting, but it's not compelling. Because essentially, you've already got an established market, and all that mm. you're doing is you're, you're getting some efficiencies by putting it on blockchain as opposed to, as opposed to doing it conventionally. Um, so we think it's potentially interesting, but it's not, it doesn't shift the ground in terms of people's thinking. And so then what about the, so the first sort of two use cases you mentioned so have they come to fruition you know have have are people using it are these companies actually sort of deploying this on a mass scale um or is it still sort of just an idea on on a white paper so i think on uh peer-to-peer -peer, people are running lots of trials we're doing a trial in the uk with edf and we're doing a trial in switzerland uh, with the consortium there where we are looking at very specific uh use cases where we can use a battery and solar panel and we can essentially create a small trading market. The reality of it is, though, that, that, that energy is a regulated business uh, and, and you have to make the economics work. Um, and so we think peer-to-peer -peer is interesting, but I think there's been a lot of hype about it, quite frankly. Okay. Um, and lots of people have rushed into it and said, this is the end of the utility. 
we don't need utilities anymore, we can do this. I don't think that's anywhere near the truth. Yeah. Uh, the truth is that there are some interesting cases, uh, but people have to prove it, and they have to prove there's value there at the end of the day. It can't just be a theory. On microgrids, uh, there's been some interesting work. LO3 have done the Brooklyn microgrid, which was really a collection of, I think, 30 to 40 houses, and they were looking at how they netted out. Um, again, we think microgrids could potentially be interesting, but we think the best user case for microgrids actually is in the less developed countries. Could you, you explain got... what a microgrid is? Yeah, just... sure. So essentially, it's the ability to connect maybe uh, a factory uh, and a number of other users around that factory who essentially can trade and net off energy. So maybe it's the sense that uh, we don't need that chilling unit running today in, in a refrigerated unit. So we can turn it down for, for an hour and use the excess energy for that to pass to somebody else who's paying a, a higher retail price. Um, so we actually think the best user cases for microgrids are actually uh, in less developed countries where you don't have an established grid. In most cases in developed nations where you have an established grid, then essentially why wouldn't you just connect to the grid and use that asset to, to play into the marketplace? Um, so, so, Look, so when, you, when you say these are assets, just, just so that we could sort of clear yep. this up, um, you mean it's like a, uh, you know, a, a sort of a digital token that people are able to... No, sort of... I, meant, I meant in terms of physical assets. So okay. an asset, whether it be a chiller unit or a mm -hmm. heating pump, okay. something can be physically adjusted so that the energy use can be uh, changed okay. and therefore the excess energy can be put back into the grid mm -hmm. and therefore you can get money for that. Now, it happens to be that in some of those cases that they are tokenizing that energy yeah. and they're representing that as a token. Okay. Uh, so, so that's the difference. Um, yeah. So, and then there's up, there's the application that we're seeking to do. And what Electron is seeking to do is to find a way to uh, allow these hundreds of thousands of new devices and assets that are coming into the grid edge to play their full role in balancing the grid. And really, in order to do that, there's two things we have to do. One is we create an asset register. So we know where an asset is, what it is, who owns and controls it, what its attributes are. And by that, I mean, how fast can it ramp up and produce energy, whether it's green energy or not. And to that asset register, we ascribe a smart contract so that the owner or operator of that asset essentially can bid that asset into a marketplace. And then we create a marketplace with other buyers and sellers, so system operators, the distribution network, traders, who can then uh, bid in for constraint management or problems that exist in the grid. And therefore, the assets become both visible and they also can play a role in balancing the market. Okay, and so basically it's kind of sort of bridging um, people who've got, you know, these reserve, you know, these extra assets lying about and then saying, okay, you could actually plug these in into the infrastructure that's already built, but making it more efficient. Exactly. So let me give an example to make it tangible. So you go and buy an electric vehicle because you think they're cool, they accelerate fast, you want to do something that's mm -hmm. good for the, for the planet. But essentially, when you plug it in at night, then uh, you can either decide when to charge it, if you've got a smart charger running, mm -hmm. or you can actually dis discharge it from the battery, do vehicle to grid essentially run down the battery by putting extra energy into the grid because somebody wants that energy and is willing to pay you for it. So there's the opportunity to use this asset, i.e. a battery on wheels, essentially, yeah. to help balance the grid and get paid for it. Um, so I can imagine future models where you buy an EV, 
somebody says, well, I'll manage your energy for you. And by the way, every quarter you get 20 or $30 uh, back for helping to balance the grid. Okay. Now, when was the last time your utility sent you money back? Never. Yeah. So it's these kind of models that I think can help engage, but they do more than that. Mm -hmm. They actually uh, change the economics and make it more attractive for people to have EVs if the EV can play a full role in helping to balance the grid. So it seems a bit technical. And if this is going to be sort of, let's say, going out to people who will be buying these different vehicles, and will they have to manage their energy? Or do you do sort of envision um, there will be sort of new players who will actually sort of be energy energy managers, right? So they're, they're sort of sort of managing the assets of people's yeah. energy and so do you think that you guys will provide sort of a cool ux so that people could do it themselves or you know you, you think there'll be other you know established players trying to come to this market uh, i think generally the history of people's engagement with energy is very low yeah. they want to be able to walk into a room they want to turn on the, light, uh, the switch it. and the yeah. lights go on uh they want the tv to work when they want it to work so we don't imagine that the that consumers will get uh, incredibly engaged by this. What we do think they will do is they might set preferences. So okay. you might say, hey, I need my car fully charged by seven o'clock tomorrow morning. Then somebody who's ever managing that car or the asset will manage it for them. Now that might be the big utility companies. It might be new companies that come and develop cool um, interfaces or apps yeah. that allow them to do it. Um, we might eventually get there. But that's not what we're planning to do on day one. What we're planning to do on day one is deal with the big companies mm. who have already got a lot of those assets and are interfacing with consumers. And they could be sort of the energy and asset managers. Absolutely. Okay. So whether they're aggregators in the case of the UK, where we have people who go out to, say, a large supermarket like Sainsbury's, mm -hmm. and they say, we will manage your chiller units for you across your whole estate. So that would be somebody you play. Okay. We're talking to some large um, EV charging companies. Uh, who have already got forty to 50,000 charging posts already in the UK. Mm -hmm. That's another example of somebody who could put their assets on and then seek to manage those assets on behalf of consumers. Okay, and it, it seems that at least the reason why Electron is using a blockchain is to essentially issue and represent these different assets on the blockchain and have them on, that, in, on this immutable and shared record. So that everyone knows, you know, the exact whereabouts and traits and attributes of this asset. Absolutely. So the, the fact that we can do that and create a smart contract, the fact that we can have the data encrypted, but other people can come along and essentially have access to that data mm. for parts of that data. So, for example, we want to know that that charging post is where they say it is. So we can have a company going around that will verify that they can actually have access to the distributed ledger and tick the box for verification for that asset. So essentially, it's the ability to have a distributed ledger with multiple access, but one version of the truth, of which we can also link in a smart contract. Great. And this is, I assume, a private permissioned approach. So, so it is a permissioned blockchain uh, because uh, essentially in the UK and other places, in order to trade these assets and to provide balancing, mm. you essentially have to be able to go to physical settlement at the end. And therefore, you have to sign up to the balancing and settlement code. Um, and therefore, it is it is permissioned and private. What is not permissioned and private is the fact is that we will allow other people to come in, essentially, and have access to the aggregated data. And we will allow them to come in and build other apps or other user positions on the back of our asset register. So essentially, we're trying to open up the market for other people to come and do cool stuff. Um, okay. And the reason why we want to do that is because more people will come to our ecosystem because they're developing more products on it. 
Um, and at the same time, essentially, more people will be registering their assets and trading. And that's how we make our money. Okay. And wh where are you um, currently? So in the UK, we, are, uh, we formed a consortium with 14 different players, including National Grid, two of the distribution networks, uh, Shell, Stadcraft, um, uh, EDF, etc. Uh, we're rolling out uh, four major use cases, and uh, we did our first secondary capacity trade in the UK. We're building out the asset register with National Grid and two DNOs. Uh, and then we have... What's a DNO? Sorry, a distribution network. Okay. Uh, and then we uh, are working already with a consortium in Switzerland. Uh, and we're just about to announce very shortly that we have, uh, we're working with a partner in Korea. Um, and we've been approached by uh, five other countries to work with them. Because everyone is facing exactly the same problem. Um, and okay. lots of them have done market scans and they've come to us. Okay, and when do you guys think that you'll have, you know, a solution deployed mass market? Uh, so uh, we think we'll be getting that in the next 12 to 18 months, um, where essentially different modules will be deployed and we'll be making, uh, making revenue from those uh, positions. At the moment, we've been very, very successful in winning grants uh, and innovation grants from government, from private entities. So we've won six of those so far. Um, and the UK government continues to support us as a grid champion uh, and seeks to help us export overseas. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, the, the reason why um, I, I brought you on, Paul, is because we, we really hope, I mean, we haven't seen any sort of private permissioned blockchain um, use case that has been deployed on a mass scale. So we, we hope that we actually see something, and this is something that we think could um, actually, you know, have, have a really good chance of, showcasing a real application and use case. Yeah, we're really excited about it. And, and look, the, the issue starts from there's a real global problem here about how you integrate these assets. Um, and we've come up with a solution which we think is cool. Um, and, and people get hung up, I think, about whether something's uh, private or open or whatever. Mm. Look, we're, we're, we're interested in tackling real problems in the real world where we can add value straight away. And I think that's what we're doing. Um, and, and hopefully we're doing it in a smart way. Awesome. And how could people get in touch with you? Uh, so they can contact us at info at electron.org.uk. Info at electron.org.uk. Or else they can just connect with me on LinkedIn, Paul Masara. Great. Thank you for coming on the show. Brilliant. Listen, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. And I love being here in Dubai. A huge thank you to Paul Masara for joining us today. And if you like the episode, please give us a rating and review. Those reviews help the show so much. And if you haven't subscribed, then make sure you hit that subscribe button. You could find us on Apple iTunes and subscribe from there. And also, do make sure that you tune into next week's episode as we bring you an interesting Jitech special. Thank you so much for listening.